Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am super excited to have Dr. Jerry Williams on our podcast today. He has been in the news a lot lately over the last few years, and he is going to be discussing his urgent cares, which are, I think they're, I believe they're called Urgent Care 24-7. Um, they're all over the nation. And he's going to be discussing how he treated COVID patients um, during the the government-created pandemic. So without further ado, Jerry, welcome to our show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about your history. Well, um, I'm a Savannah boy uh, from Savannah, Georgia. My family's been in Savannah since 1788, so we go way back. Wow. I'm a blue, blue-collar blue kid uh, who had a great pair of parents who encouraged me to, uh, to get a great education, and, um, and I did that. And uh, I'm a child and adult neurologist, did my fellowship at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and practiced neurology um, and continue to practice some neurology, but uh, opened an urgent care company 12 and a half years ago and uh, do that primarily now. Um, I, I do a lot of different stuff, though. I'm, uh, uh, e I guess I'm easily distracted, um, <laughs> but I have I, I have many passions. I, I write and I um, have a large real estate holding company and I do some conservation work and um, various and sundry things. And uh, I, I got a patent on a related medical dental device that I'm working on uh, that I invented back in 2020 when the pandemic started. So I've got a lot of different things that I do, but um, uh, and also getting ready to launch a uh, urgent care company for small town America, rural small town America, which is kind of the last frontier of urgent care medicine in the United States. And we've found a way to uh, offer service to small towns across America uh, cost effectively. We're excited about that. That's awesome. You know, well, you'll have to update me as that progresses. We'll do it. So, uh, last week, I last week or the week before, a few weeks ago, you were testifying in front of Congress. Tell us about that. Uh, wow. Um, so it's kind of like getting into a car accident. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's not for the faint at heart. Uh, I think the way I described it, it's for the man in the arena, to quote uh, my hero, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and uh, uh, while I was treated very well by the support staff uh, and uh, uh, most of the congressmen and women, um, for sure. Uh, it's a very intimidating, uh, scenario to go into, but, you know, uh, you just show up and tell the truth and, um, and hope for the best. Uh, the uh, chairman started off by telling about a physician friend of his that he wanted to come and testify and uh, the guy refused to come because he was afraid of retribution. And I was like, great, <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, eight days after I testified, I've, I've actually had something happen uh, that I won't go into in detail on this, but it was uh, deeply concerning. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting world we're in and an interesting yeah, so time. What exactly were you testifying on? Uh, can you give us some of those details? Sure. Yeah, this was the House Oversight Committee's subcommittee. It's a select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. 
And uh, I was testifying on the physician-patient relationship and the interference of that by the government and the government's uh, actions. I so, see. so oh, yeah, pretty controversial topic. Well, it is a controversial topic, I guess, but it really shouldn't be. In my opinion, it's a black and white issue. Uh, the government should not be getting involved between patients and and doctors, period. Um, you know, unless there is harm being done. Um, but, you know, they, they've been getting involved with, you know, not letting doctors tell patients certain information. I mean, that that is a, viol- a clear violation of freedom of speech. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you could see it any other way. Yeah. Um, you know, Dr. Phil says no matter how thin the pancake, it has two sides. And I, I certainly don't want to ignore the other side's argument. But um, when when they uh, are malevolent, malevolent on their intentions, uh, you know, their their intentions were not pure. And I certainly don't believe their intentions were in the public health's best interest. Uh, you know, I, I, that's where you draw the line. And it's why I showed up. It's why I went and testified. I mean, I had to go at my own expense, um, take off from work, flights, hotels. You know, it was an expensive endeavor. But uh, bad things happen when good people don't stand up for what's right. That's exactly right. So tell me... What made your clinic different during the pandemic? How are you treating patients? Well, you know, I, it's it's really it, it's 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 kind of embarrassingly simple um, when I answer that question. I, you know, what we did ended up being very special, but it most certainly should not have been. Um, we I dove into the literature because I realized that I was painfully ignorant on coronaviruses. Uh, I'm a neurologist, child and adult neurologist and sleep specialist. I'm uh, I'm not uh, a virologist or infectious disease specialist or pulmonologist. And clearly, I mean, the the uh, the covid virus affects all parts of the body. But uh, but certainly early on, it had a, an affinity for the lungs and um so not in my area of, of expertise per se, but um, I dove in the literature, rolled up my sleeves and went to work because I, you know, I was committed to trying to help my patients. And uh, there was no book to go to. This was a novel virus. So I had to just use my training and dive in and apply what I've learned uh, in med school and internships, residency, fellowship, and then practicing medicine for, you know, 27 years and uh, out of fellowship and, uh, you know, stick to what was an- what was not antithetical to medical science, to, cro- to quote Dr. Uh, Redfield, uh, the director of the CDC under President Trump, uh, you know, we, we stuck to the real science. Um, and you know, I started that very early on in late February of 2020 when it became clear to me that there was potential that this pandemic could could get out of hand and could be serious. And I uh, found a paper from the 2003-2004 SARS-CoV uh, pandemic uh, that was published in 2005 in Virology. And it was about uh, chloroquine, the anti-malarial drug chloroquine. 
and how it was used uh, as an anti-coronavirus uh, drug for the treatment and to prevent the spread of uh, the SARS-CoV virus. Um, and then I, uh, uh, on March the 9th of 2020, a paper came out in Clinical, Clinical, Clinical Infectious Disease, the, the board for the infectious disease specialty, um, that was an in vitro study on hydroxychloroquine versus chloroquine on the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which was obviously the virus that caused the pandemic. And I had a lot of experience with uh, Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine and felt comfortable with that drug. And so I rolled up my sleeves and started on our first protocol. My urgent care is very protocol driven. So I started on our first treatment protocol and we started cobbling together a plan that allowed us to play offense, not just defense. I told my team, I said, you know, we're not going to just roll over on this virus. We've got to find a, a safe way to try to treat this virus, but we've also got to do everything we can to optimize our patient to be able to fight off the effects of this infection. So uh, we went to work. Um, and like early on, they told us not to use steroids, which was also antithetical to my experience. So right. I contacted friends who were board certified pulmonologists and intensivists uh, and internists and sleep physicians. Yep. Quadruple board certified physicians. And I said, you know, look, uh, have you ever seen a viral pneumonitis not improve with steroids? And they said, never. And certainly steroids aren't the end all be all, but they certainly at clinical. I went to work uh, with um, the, uh, the, the protocol and we made a decision early on to go against the CDC's recommendations uh, regarding steroids. And we added dexamethasone, uh, IM, and high-dose-pred, PO-pred tapers to these patients, unless it was contraindicated for any reason, like with you know, diabetes or something, but we, we, we really uh, embraced steroids early. And that was where we deviated from what they're recommending early on because we felt that it was in the best interest of our patient. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about how that treatment protocol went. Um, did you have good success with it? Well, we treated over 5,500 patients. We have, we had five hospitalizations and zero deaths. Uh, the five hospitalizations we had, all five patients presented on day nine or 10. So they were very late. And the key to this virus is the key to any virus. For example, the influenza virus, you treat influenza early with Tamiflu or Zofluza in the first 48 to 72 hours and the earlier, the better. But if you think about it, that's the way we treat all infections. I don't care if it's, you know, uh, athlete's foot or a UTI or an otitis media or bronchitis uh, it doesn't matter if it's a protozoal infection, you know, Giardia or uh, a viral, whatever, uh, bacterial, we treat early and aggressively. And so we, we tried to catch these patients and treat them as early as possible before the proverbial cow got out of the barn. And we had great success doing so in very, very high-risk patients. Some of, I had a patient that was a, a transplant patient with a chronic, he had a trach. And he caught COVID. We treated him early and he, he breezed right through. And within five days, he was back to baseline. 
Now, is there anything else you added besides hydroxychloroquine early on and steroids? Well, we were doing steroids. We were doing hydroxychloroquine. We were doing zinc. We were doing vitamin D3 aggressively. We were doing vitamin B12 aggressively. Um, we added in loratadine and famotidine, claritin and uh, pepsid AC uh, for mast cell stabilization along with the supplement uh, uh, melatonin, which is also a, a very effective mast cell stabilizer. Um, we added magnesium, um, and I'd never been a vitamin pusher as a physician. I mean, as a neurologist, I'd see patients with, you know, B12 deficiency and peripheral neuropathy. And of course we treated those patients aggressively, but in the patients that were normal, healthy, you know, I'd say, look, eat a well-balanced diet and, and, uh, uh, take a multivitamin once a day and you're good. But, um, boy, the, the pandemic really, really drove home to me the, the importance of vitamin D3 and B12, for example. And um, uh, so we we embraced whatever we could that we thought would safely help. And of course, we embraced ivermectin when ivermectin hit, um, very safe drug. Um, of course, got a lot of criticism for that. Um, and But we also embraced uh, uh, uh uh, monoclonal antibodies when when those were available and uh, and effective we embraced that uh we used paxlovid when that became available um we did avoid the merck drug uh because we were worried about the mutation issues and its mechanism of action we never prescribed that um and i was pro early on that we never gave any at all uh i was twice and boosted once but when they started denying natural immunity I, I i took great issue with that and uh and and really quickly tapped the brakes on vaccination um although i think to help people i think that they should have been very carefully focused on populations at risk and i certainly don't agree with the current recommendations uh yeah. that have just come out on that well, especially just recently, it seems like the virus has mutated so much. I, I just really don't know how effective the current can be. And I don't know if you're still seeing patients in your urgent cares, but from what I'm understanding is as as per most viruses, it's um, it's it might be virulent, but it's not as pathogenic. It's not um, causing a severe disease. Is that what you're seeing now? Yes, very much so. Um, very much so. But yeah, we're still seeing the disease, but the patients are nowhere near as sick, obviously, which right. is you know, wonderful. That part's wonderful. Yeah. The and question is, is what's happening to these patients long term? And, you know, that's that's scary. And, and I was going to ask you that as, as a neurologist, what are you seeing from are you seeing any related neurology inj injuries? Uh, I'm seeing all kinds of uh long-term sequelae, uh, from the virus, from the, and neurologically, but also, you know, in my urgent care centers, we're seeing patients that, that have uh, long, have post-injury that, you know, they, they temporally can relate their onset of their symptoms, not to a COVID infection, but to, or boosted. Um, so it's all, uh, quite problematic right now and, um, and complicated. Uh, and frustrating. So are you actually treating long at all? We are. Uh, and um, 
we're uh i i actually i i, I didn't mention i beg your pardon but I actually uh wrote a book on the early treatment of called fike when and it's on amazon and uh barnes and noble and kindle and audible um and 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 i so we we treated very early uh using those protocols and i do have a protocol for long in that book and um in, in fact i've got a patient who i've got to initiate on treatment today um who's who's clearly got uh, a long syndrome and so where do you see the freedom of speech issue going or the freedom of doctors to take care of their patients without government intervention are you optimistic that that doctors will be able to take care of their patients without fear of regulatory boards um, stopping them. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, it's because of some ex- incredibly brave, smart, uh, wise people like uh, Dr. Barry Bowden, uh, who was your guest on the show. Actually, I think several times now, um, you know, what an incredible uh, physician and, and human being. Um, and I, I can't tell you uh, how much respect I have for her and her colleagues and, and what they've done to stand up for, uh, what they did that was, they, you know, they believed that they were doing what was in the best interest of their patient and what was right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, you know, I just am proud to call the folks that did, that have stood up, uh, colleagues, sadly, <laughs> the majority of my colleagues, uh, complied with, uh, uh, what the industrial medical complex and the bureaucracy demanded of them. Um, I did not. Um, and, uh, and some other, uh, brave and wise people, uh, didn't either. Uh, but, uh, I think the tide is turning. Um, you know, the truth always comes out. I mean, it, it just, it may take a while, but the truth prevails and the truth is prevailing here. Although it's interesting, right after the Ninth Circuit Court, or wait a minute, the Fifth Circuit Court, I believe it was in New Orleans, ruled on Dr. Bowden, or Bowden Bowden's case uh, and her colleagues, um, uh, the FDA seemed to double down on some of their statements on Twitter and didn't remove some of the stuff that the court took issue with off of their website. So I guess the bureaucracy, uh, you know, is going to, try to hold on to the bitter end here. But, um, you know, interestingly, Mayo Clinic has um, on their website acknowledged that some patients can be treated with uh, hydroxychloroquine now. Um, it's it, it, they're, they're easing into what I guess is I saw uh, posted. They're trying to be on the right side of history now. But those of us like yourself, we know what the truth is and we know what they were doing when the chips were down and patients were dying. Uh, and, and they were chastising, uh, people like me, physicians like me and, and others, uh, that were, uh, treating our patients. So, but overall, I guess I want to hold out optimism that the truth will ultimately prevail and uh, I'm not about to give up. Well, good. And I'm glad we have doctors like you and Dr. Bowden. And um, I will see Dr. Bowden Saturday, actually, at our um, Medical Freedom Northwest event where she will be speaking on treating coronavirus, treating COVID-19 with ivermectin. Um, and she'll be sharing some of her stories about how she's had to fight for her license. And, and um, you know, I'm sure she'll be talking about her 
her lawsuit against the FDA too, which I think is a, you know, that lawsuit that it's being heard in the appeals court is it's big. I mean, because lawsuits like that can have ramifications for decades and decades. They can be used as case precedents. And um, so thank goodness that people like her are fighting and people like you. So thank you, Dr. Williams. Well, I mean, uh, that's, that's very kind of you. uh, And, 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 overly generous uh, uh dr bowden's uh, clearly she's a hero um and as are her colleagues and uh and a patriot and uh and i have again just the greatest respect for them and what they're doing at great personal expense yes. um you know they're fighting for the physician patient relationship they're fighting for the autonomy that we have um to have to take good care of our patients and uh you know, it's just egregious. It's 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 dumbfounding. Uh, it, it's Orwellian. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's so con- it's confusing. I mean, it, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I you and I have spoken uh, before briefly, and and you know, you're a you're a, a, a pharmacist, and I, I would share with you I, I, um, that I had never, even as a child neurologist and using medications off label my entire career, because frequently we didn't have a pediatric indication. For, for example, anti-seizure drugs and, and intractable yeah. seizure, pediatric seizure patients. So we would we would use drugs frequently. I would use drugs off label uh, and have the appropriate discussion with the parents about risk benefits and those kinds of things. And of course, complete transparency and honesty with the the patient's family. And we would, you know, the parents would make a decision, uh, an informed decision, and we document everything. And I never had a single prescription ever denied by a a pharmacist until the pandemic hit and they started denying my, my originally my hydroxychloroquine prescriptions and then my ivermectin prescriptions and and being nasty to me on the phone and and i have to tell you i had never ever even for a millisecond thought of a pharmacist in any other way not even for a moment than my partner on on my team working together to take care of our mutual patient not even for a second. And when it first happened, I, I'll share with you, I was so confused and, and hurt and angry that the circumstances had destroyed what had been a career of a perfect relationship with my colleagues in pharmacy. And I literally went out uh, and bought hydroxychloroquine and put it in every clinic and every dispensary I had in America and then this, the same thing with ivermectin. Though with the ivermectin, I couldn't get generic. I had to get brand branded uh, ivermectin. I bought seventy five thousand dollars worth of ivermectin <laughs> in one purchase and put it in every clinic in America. And um, and and I did what I had to do to provide for my patients. So I, I literally had to sidestep the pharmacists, which was it. it still, I. Right. And, and I can't fathom I had to I had to do that. Yeah. I, I know I've been interviewed by a couple of different people, um, legal actually, attorneys, about, you know, they wanted to know if I've ever uh refused a prescription based on off label use. And I can honestly say, you know, in the thirty years, almost thirty years I've practiced, I never have. Um, and usually you don't even ask what the, what it's for necessarily. I mean, you know, we've talked to the patient, um, but the government did a good job of dividing us 
and, and yeah, they, they did. You know, they they really and, did. And, and I think that was and it was so un- yeah, it was so unnecessary. I mean, we're yeah. colleagues, and and right. and we both bring expertise and and uh, an objective uh, to the table that is so important in 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 managing patients and. I, you know, it, it it was dumbfounding to me. It still is. I, I this is not uh, contrived. I, I still can't fathom, and 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 it certainly wasn't the majority, but it became a significant uh, percentage of, of of pharmacists. But to be fair, to be fair, some of them have been threatened by their state pharmacy boards, yep. um, and there was also a tremendous. I think there was some corporate pressure for those that work for corporate pharmacies. Uh, and so to be fair, but, but I also have to tell you, um, and I, you know, do unto others you'd have done unto you. Um, I, if I were in their shoes, I would have said, no, I'm not doing that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to fill these prescriptions. I, I agree. And, and, and I am glad that you did defend them a little bit in saying that, you know, um, the state boards of pharmacy were coming down on them. We got a letter in Washington state saying that if we see inappropriate prescribing, we're supposed to turn people in and, you know, us and, and, and of course, you know, the same thing happened with doctors. I mean, there's a lot of your colleagues that they worked for big clinics and they just rolled over too, even if they didn't agree with it. Oh yeah. Personally. And and there were there were physicians in hospital systems and if they saw a pulmonologist or intensivist, and this has happened many, many times, and physicians have lost hospital privileges and board certifications and licensures and, and all this stuff because their colleagues turned them in for what they were doing, treating patients in the hospital and outpatient as well. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, they divided us and, and the, the, the patients are the ones that are ultimately going to suffer for this. And, you know, and I've heard the argument, you know, and, and you and I both know there are, there are providers out there, physicians and that, um, for example, have, have uh, inappropriately prescribed narcotics. Uh, I've seen it and I've, I've personally reported it uh, uh, actually several times I've reported uh, inappropriate prescribing of narcotics. I, I'm sure you've done the same um, and refused to prescribe uh, or excuse me, to fill prescriptions that, yeah. that you felt were, were not appropriate. Um, and, and that should absolutely happen. But uh, in the face of a novel virus and, uh, you know, again, as Dr. Redfield said, it was antithetical to science, what they were doing to us. And it was antithetical to the practice of medicine, what they were doing to us. So, um, yeah, tough times, man. I know. So I got I got to stream this uh, a quote that one of our uh, listeners viewers put up there. One cannot bring up boys to be eagles, then expect them to be sparrows. From Edith Roosevelt. Bravo, Lee Pence. He's a he's a loyal listener and viewer to our to our website and a good friend. Well, I uh, I actually I don't know if you're aware, but uh, I um, actually had that quote in my written. Uh, uh, testimony that I submitted to Congress. So uh, I actually had that quote. So this gentleman, either it's a, a remarkable uh, uh, coincidence, or he's read my uh, he's read my my written testimony to Congress. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt if he's read. He's an attorney, so I wouldn't doubt if he's read the testimony. <laughs> well, well, just to share with you, I, I didn't I didn't tell you, but I'm a Theodore Roosevelt historian. And my area of expertise is Theodore's health. And I'm a big fan of his wife as well. She was an amazing woman, amazing person, and, um, and, and very much the wind beneath Theodore's wings 
Um, and they had an incredible partnership and marriage that uh, certainly uh, very, very strongly led to her husband's uh, amazing success. Um, but yeah, I actually quoted Theodore's Man in the Arena and Bully Pulpit uh, in my in my uh, spoken testimony. Um, and then uh, I, I had to include uh, uh, Edith's uh, comment about her sons. And I'll tell you just briefly, um, that was... Uh, uh, it, it was an interesting quote because her 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 baby her her youngest son Quentin had just been um, shot down. Uh, of, he was a fighter pilot in World War One, and he was killed over France. And her other sons were in the war arena fighting World War One, and she was questioned in the face of having just lost her her youngest son um, in the war. And how did, you know, how did she feel about having her other boys in harm's way? And she said, I can't, I can't raise my boys to be eagles and then expect, expect them to be sparrows. And what a profound, profound statement. That is. Thank thank you for putting that into context. That's, that's very powerful. Well, thank you. Thank you to your, uh, to your, uh, your viewer who, uh, who commented that. That's wonderful. So tell us about your book. And if you're going to write any more books, fight and win a survival guide well let me let me tell you the first thing about uh any medical book the moment you write it and it's published it becomes obsolete in some ways because uh things change and in this case of the virus this virus mutates and has mutated continues to and, and will continue to i uh I, I say that in the book to please please uh, don't treat everything you read in this as gospel truth because this virus in time uh you know will 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 change what we do and what we need to do. Um, I, I, I uh, said my testimony, you know, the practice of medicine, we have to learn and unlearn. And so, uh, but it's, it's a really solid start. I also have the, uh, the um, uh, treatment manual that goes with that, that um, is actually spiral bound. So it'll lay flat on a count on a counter and it's a calendar that, that walks you through the protocols and allows you to keep up with the daily treatments for all of the protocols. We have protocols for pregnant patients, pediatric, elderly, uh, uh, breastfeeding, et cetera, and, um, and long COVID. And so we have a, 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 a calendar and easy to use guide to help patients because our protocols is complex. There's a lot of moving parts to it. It's confusing. So it was, we, we, we published that as well that helps the patient walk their way through the treatment protocol. Um, I don't have any plans right now to write any books uh, in that line. I'm, I'm working on some, uh, I, I'm a screenwriter and, and actually poet and I, I write pretty constantly. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, working on converting one of my screenplays to a novel, uh, just getting uh, that laid out right now. So, but I don't have any plans to write any medical texts right now. So tell us what you have a passion for. I think we lost him. He's on his phone. So he probably got a phone call. Let's see if he comes back. But as we do uh, wrap this podcast up, uh, we thank we thank our listeners and viewers, and we thank uh, we thank Lee Pence for the comment. Um, we'll see if we get Dr. Jerry Williams back on. Uh, but tune into our regularly scheduled podcast. 
which will be which is Monday, twelve thirty to one thirty Pacific Standard Time. And there you are, you're back. Oh, he just left. So we're kind of winding the podcast up. Um, you can go to uh, Fight COVID and Win. Look up his book, and that's you can get a hold of him if you need to. Um, there is ways to do that there. Um, I want to remind everybody that we are having a Medical Freedom Northwest conference in Spokane this weekend. We are ironing out all the details now. Act, I'm they, sorry. There's Dr. Williams back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I have I have to tell you, I have to tell you, uh, I thought I had my calls turned off for this. I beg your pardon. But that was actually Dr. Redfield, the direct, the former director of the CDC under President Trump, calling me that interrupted our call. So I bet how, how ironic, number one. Right. But, um, you were talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, and antithetical to science. And, and you want to talk about a hero, if I may very briefly, if, if you haven't seen his testimony before the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic back, I believe, in March, Please go to YouTube and look it up. He tells the truth about Anthony Fauci and and how he was blocked from the discussion uh, regarding the origins of the virus. And it, he, he truly believed and, and obviously does that it was a, a gain of function uh, research experiment that 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 escaped the lab and how Anthony Fauci excluded the director of the CDC, who is a virologist by training. He was excluded from the discussion because Anthony Fauci knew that he would not march to the drum of what he was trying to cover up. And he, talk about a hero and a patriot. Dr. Redfield is that. So I, I beg your pardon that we got interrupted. I'm so sorry. My passion, as you ask, is caring for our fellow man. There is no greater honor and, and uh, privilege than to practice medicine um, I'm passionate about my beautiful, wonderful wife and my children and grandchildren and mother and family and friends. Um, I'm passionate about uh, the environment and conservation and land management. I'm passionate about my writing. Um, I love to fish. I love to read. Um, I guess I'm kind of passionate about life in general. Um, but, hey, we only go around once, so why not be, right? Absolutely. I love it. So if any of our listeners and viewers have any questions they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Well, you know, um, I have I have really defied what physicians do. I'm 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 I've always put myself out there and I've never hidden, uh, you know, my email address or my phone number or any of that stuff. Uh, I'm I'm on LinkedIn and and open there. Uh, uh, I can be reached uh, uh, through um covidcare247.com uh, uh, or at our website at urgentcare247.com. Uh, and uh, you know, we, I, I pride myself on, um, uh, on availability. Uh, I've, I've never hidden behind pomp and circumstance. And I, I feel like the privilege to practice medicine means that, you know, I have to, uh, uh, I have to be there for my fellow man. Well, I, I love it, Dr. Williams. We need more doctors like yourself. So keep fighting the good fight. Well, I appreciate uh, your willingness to have little old me uh, on such a bully pulpit is what you and your wife have created here. And it, it, is, it is such an honor. And I, I truly am grateful and humbled that, that you did want to hear what I had to say and what I did.
Yeah, it was it, it definitely an honor to to meet meet you, and I'd love to meet you in person someday. That'd be great. I, I hope that happens. I yeah. really do. Uh, I know we you know we kind of run in the same circles. We know the same people, so we might see you at a conference someday. Yeah, if you need anything, you know how to reach me. I am at your yours and your patient service. Sounds good. Hang on, hang on just a minute after we finish this, because I want to chat with you uh, offline. So yes, sir. All right. Thank, thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. As I said, go ahead and tune in to us like we do every Monday, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. Not sure who our guest is Monday, but we're going to be going over. I will do a little recap of our Medical Freedom Conference that we're having Saturday, uh, which is going to be an awesome day. Um, John Stockton, you know, uh, NBA all-time assist leader, NBA all-time steals leader, is going to be our keynote speaker, our first speaker, and he's going to be talking about why medical freedom is important to him. So you don't want to miss out on that. Um, And we have a lot of good speakers. Dr. Bowden is going to be there. Um, Dr. Kelly uh, Victory is going to be there. It's going to be a great, great program. I will update you on that Monday, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Dr. Williams, hang on, hang on, and we'll uh, chat after the podcast. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.